Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Before we begin, I want to remind you about our ad-free option. Go to It's a Good Life on the Apple Podcast app. You'll see a banner under the logo to remove ads and unlock early access to episodes. It's just five bucks a month, and there's even a free trial. Either way, continue listening to It's a Good Life, and here's our man, Brian Buffini. Well, top of the morning to you, and welcome to today's podcast. The title of today's show is Getting Rich is Easy. Now, that sounds like clickbait, doesn't it? But it's the truth. It's easy to get rich. It's just easier not to. I'm going to share three easy steps with you to become rich. The problem is there's many easier steps to become broke. Some people don't even like the word rich but maybe they could handle the word fortune. I've followed a formula for 30 years that has built my personal fortune. My kids are now following the same formula and are heading for the same outcome. I can help you become rich by following three simple steps. First, you're going to control what's going out. Second, you're going to increase what's coming in. And thirdly, you're going to invest and wait. You know, it said money can't buy you happiness. Well, a new University of Pennsylvania study shows that people's well-being does rise with the amount of money they make. Zig Ziglar used to say, money's not everything, but it is reasonably close to oxygen. The fact of the matter is, money doesn't buy you love and it doesn't solve all the problems of life, that's for sure. But it solves some problems for sure. And if it's better to have a few bucks than not, why not? I can tell you this, I've been extremely poor in America. I came here as an immigrant. I had 92 bucks in my wallet. I very shortly thereafter got into a very serious motorcycle accident, and I owed hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills and other expenses. I've also become a many times over millionaire in America. But let me say this, having money's better than being broke. It's not the end of all everything, but it's a good thing to have. John Thompson, the legendary coach of Georgetown, said, I want to be rich. And people said, why? You're a basketball coach. He goes, you know, people listen to rich folks. They pray for poor folks. He says, I want to be somebody people listen to. He knew what he was talking about. So let's talk about the three easy steps to becoming rich. The first is control what's going out. That's something I've talked on many times on this show. In fact, we did a great episode, uh, 128 in season one was called Budget or Busted. Now, remember, if you want to find out where some of these great episodes are, you can go to itsagoodlife.com. We have this beautiful website, and we've actually categorized by whether it's goals, personal growth, business growth, motivation. We have a real estate section in there, our favorite guests. Uh, Here's last year's favorite most listened to shows. And then, of course, we have a whole segment just on money. And you click on that, and it'll pull up three or four episodes that you can listen to to get the ball rolling for yourself. And so when it's talking about money here, here's the first thing. We have to control what's going out, how much you're spending. You will never make a fortune. You will never be rich unless you control your expenditures. End of story. There's no amount of money you cannot spend. You can go broke on any amount of money. Jack Kent Cook, brilliant guy, businessman, owned the Washington Redskins, as they were called at the time. 
and he had a fabulous Hall of Fame coach called George Allen. And he said, I gave George an unlimited budget to win the Super Bowl, and George overspent it. That's the truth. You can overblow any budget. You know, bankruptcies don't just happen with people who are barely making a living. Bankruptcy has happened at every level of the stratosphere. In fact, when people win the lottery, they're five times more likely to file bankruptcy than they were before. So we have to create a budget. A debt.com survey said 80% of people last year made a budget up from 68% in 2019. That's music to my ears. So I'm not going to beat it in the ground. Seems like a lot of people are doing it. Dave Ramsey, Mr. Budget, said a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. You know, there's some great apps that are available today. Mint.com is a great app for budgeting. Pocket Guard. And the one that's great for couples is called Good Budget. So that's a great couple of apps. It's easier than ever before to get a budget. If you don't have one, get one. The next thing in controlling what's going out is to prioritize your expenses. Warren Buffett says, don't save what's left after spending, but spend what's left after saving. Peter Drucker says, what gets measured gets managed. You got to manage your money. Here's the death question. Where's all the money going? I don't know. It just evaporates. It just comes in and it goes out. I have no idea where it's going. Well, that's someone who's in trouble. You have to prioritize your expenses. And that's why we have a little resource here, which basically allows you to A, B, C your expenses, prioritize them. And so we have this resource that uh, we'll give away at the end of the show here. Go on the itsagoodlife.com website. And this is a little resource we developed for people years and years ago in our coaching program that still works beautifully today. That's a little resource for fixed expenses, irregular expenses, discretionary spending. I've spoken on this before. The third thing in controlling what's going out is to create a surplus. That is the goal. I'm budgeting so I can create a surplus. William Feather said, a budget tells us what we can't afford, but it doesn't keep us from buying it. We, we want to have the budget so that we stop from buying things we can't afford so that we build the surplus. And the surplus can be, I talked about this in getting your financial house in order. You can either A, get yourself a, an emergency fund, a crisis fund, you get yourself some reserves, and then ultimately build up a fund for investing. The bottom line is you want to create a surplus. So create the budget, prioritize your expenses, and create a surplus. The second thing you want to do to get rich is increase what's coming in. Increase what's coming in. The number one thing you want to do there is understand where the greatest value is. Well, the greatest value you'll ever have is not any investment, not any piece of real estate, not any technology. The greatest value you will ever possess is your own personal value. So can you increase your own personal value? Well, I hope so. I hope that's why you've been listening to this show. I hope that's why many of you have come to our events and get into our coaching program. All we've helped people do is increase their own personal value. Jim Rohn used to say, you don't get paid for the hour, you get paid for the value you bring to the hour. So over the last 27 years, we've averaged helping people increase their revenue to 10 times that of what they were making before. That's what we've averaged. So our clients average 10 times that of their peers. Now, did they get any smarter? Did they get a higher IQ? Did they get better looking? None of those things. What has happened for each one of those folks is they've, first of all, come to understand their value and then increase their value. In his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear has a graph, and I love this graph. It's called The Power of Tiny Gains. 
And I've used this in events. It's just brilliant. And it talks about the 1% theory, which is you get 1% better every day. During the course of a year, you'll increase your performance by 37%. It's just a brilliant compounding process. You can become 30% better communicator. You could become a 37% better listener, 37% better at goal writing. You could become 37% better at writing notes. You could be 37% better in your phone calls. You could be 37% better in your health. So all of those things, that increases your personal value. You can become 37% better in your skills, the skill of negotiation, the skill of persuasion, the skill of time management, the skill of money management, like we're talking about here, that 1% difference. And so the power of tiny gains. So if you want to increase what's coming in, increase your own personal value, and then you become even more powerful. Ben Franklin, American's first millionaire, said, an investment in knowledge pays the best dividends. Warren Buffett says, the more you learn, the more you learn. In fact, I was talking with one of my sons the other night about Warren Buffett and how he has one diploma hanging on his wall in his office. Now, he's been given dozens of honorary degrees and doctorates. The finest universities in the world have brought him in and asked him to speak and donate money and all those things. But he has one diploma on his wall, and it was a 12-week self-development course, the Dale Carnegie course. Why? Because it gave him confidence. And out of that confidence, he asked his wife out on a date, who then later married him. Okay? So the power of tiny gains. So increase your own personal value. Second, increase your production. Okay, now it's time. You can't just learn for learning's sake. You got to go do something with it. Zig Ziglar said, your input determines your outlook. Your outlook determines your output, and your output determines your future. Tim Ferriss says, focus on being productive, not busy. Paul J. Meyer, who was one of the absolute cornerstones of making personal growth and development into training programs, he said, productivity is never an accident. It's always the result of commitment to excellence, intelligent planning, and focused effort. So that commitment to excellence. Are you committed to excellence? So I'm going to increase my own personal value so that I can increase my productivity. Okay? And I don't care in what capacity you are. If you increase your capacity so you can increase your productivity, you're going to be compensated more. You're going to be compensated more. You're going to increase what's coming in. And lastly, especially in the business side of things, you want to increase your quality, increase your service. My grandfather's principle, can you put your name to it? That was ultimately about a standard of how we served our customers. Can you put your name to it, Brian? If you couldn't put your name to the work you'd done, you had to do it over. Larry Page from Google said, always deliver more than expected. Napoleon Hill said, start going the extra mile and opportunity will follow you. I mean, this is some old school personal growth and development stuff right here. It really is. And it's powerful, but it works. You want to get rich? You first got to control what's going out. Your budget, your expenses, you got to prioritize them. And you get that surplus going. You want to increase what's coming in? Increase your personal value. Not take a risk on some shaky stock. Not put it all on black. Not bet on the football games or cryptocurrencies or whatever the latest fad is or whatever the next fad is. And they're coming. And it's going to be the emperor's new clothes all the time. Let me say this. There's a real blessing in getting rich slowly. And we're going to talk about that. Jim Rohn, my mentor, said to me, become a millionaire, Brian, for what it will make of you. 
Now, at the time, I wasn't a millionaire. So I thought, well, it's what it's going to make of me. It's going to make me rich. I really want that. Mm -mm. Become a millionaire for what it will make of you. Because what happens is eventually you become a millionaire in your mind. You know, success travels. I hope you don't pick up an ounce of arrogance in this statement. But if you pick me up today and drop me somewhere else in the world, I would be successful. To the degree the opportunities that were there and the environment allowed it to happen. Because being a millionaire is a state of mind. Being rich is a state of mind. And you get there over time when you do enough of the right things. So you have that increase in personal value, 1%. Just 1% a day. Can you get 1% better? That's all. Increase your production. Again, 1%. 37% increase in a year, 1% improvement. And then can you increase your quality or your service? Powerful stuff. And then the last major point here is to invest and wait. Invest and wait. There's a lot of people up for the phrase invest. Not many people are up for the term wait. But that's what it takes. Getting rich is easy. It's the waiting that's hard. Investing is like baking. And the best way I can describe it, and I've, I've taught this over time, is you have your ingredients. Let's say you're baking a cake. You have your cake ingredients. You then put it in the oven at a certain temperature, and then it's cooked for a period of time. So the investment, that's the ingredients, right? So it should be constant. So you put the ingredients together, only for investing, you keep adding ingredients. The heat of the oven, that's the rate of return. And then over time, that's how long things take to bake. But let's say you're impatient. And you go, no, I don't have 45 minutes or an hour to wait for this apple pie to cook. I'm hungry. So I want that cake now. So I'm going to ratchet up the heat because I want it to do it in less time. So instead of taking an hour, I want to get it done in 15 minutes. I want to ratchet up the heat. You know and I know what happens. It gets burnt. It'll be rotten on the inside and burnt on the outside, just like many people's fortunes. When we want too great a rate of return, oh, you know, 8%, that sounds ridiculously low. I'm looking to increase my money by 100% because that's what I want. And in the world we live in today, and it's when I talk to younger people, especially millennials, and I'll give you some data on this in a minute. But when I talk to millennials about getting rich, they're all in. They want the idea of having a fortune. They like the idea of investing. They don't like the idea of waiting. They want it and they want it now. Like Veruca in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Give it to me now. That is not how you get rich. You got to do it over time. So the cake, it's going to take as long as it takes to cook. You put it in for a reasonable temperature over a reasonable amount of time and you wait. Warren Buffett says he measures the success of his investments after five years. We sometimes wait five days or five hours or 50 minutes because you can look up your stocks or your investments right away. People also take that investment mindset to real estate. Those are always the people who get burned in real estate. There's a lot of fortunes made in real estate. I remember the guy said to me one time, oh, that guy made a small fortune in real estate. And I said, how do you do that? He started with a large one. Well, how do you make a large fortune into a small fortune in real estate? Is you keep jumping around, jumping around, jumping around. People who win in real estate, they buy, they hold, and they keep it. And that's how you win. So what does Warren Buffett say about investing? He says, invest in what you know. If you don't understand it, don't invest in it. If the person selling it to you can't explain it clearly, don't invest in it. I get 
hundreds of investment opportunities across my desk every year. And many of them are not very clearly understood. And so in the early days, I go, well, I must be dumb. I must not know. I'm going to be candid with you. I sat at a lunch table at the country club I belong to when one of the best known crypto funds in the news lately presented an offer. And there was about 18 guys at the table. I was there to listen. I'm always open for an opportunity. These people explained what they had. I asked some questions. Other people asked some questions. People were making commitments. Some people were making huge commitments right then and there at that lunch table. They asked me. I said, I won't be involved. And they said, well, I said, I just don't understand. And, uh, well, you know, we explained this. I said, I just can't understand it. Now, maybe I'm not smart enough, but the way you guys described it, I still don't know what it is I'm investing in, and I don't invest in what I don't know. So the bottom line is never buy into a business you can't understand, never buy a product you can't understand, never buy an asset you can't understand. Robert Kiyosaki wrote, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He said, before you invest in something, invest the time to understand it. The second thing is invest all the time. That's that constant adding of ingredients, okay? You got to invest all the time. I have never tried to time the market in my life. Now, I want you to know there's times when the market, I've timed it up, where I bought a piece of real estate and sold it at a time where I made a lot of money in a short amount of time. I wasn't trying to time the market. You know what that's called? Good fortune. I've also had to sell times when the market was down. So the fact of the matter is, I don't try to time the market. Now, what I do, for example, with stocks, is I have orders placed all the time in companies that I believe in. And when the market has slight pullbacks, anywhere from 3 to 5%, these orders will go into effect. In companies I already believe in, in things I already value. And knowing full well, oh, it might have pulled back 5%, and it might go back 10 It might go back 15 That's fine. So that's what I do when I'm you know, the dollar cost averaging. I don't just buy at the top, but I don't wait for the bottom. I'm always investing. JP Morgan's study said that someone invested $10,000 in the S&P 500 on January 1 of 2000 would have a balance of $61,685. Now, if they stayed the course through 2021. So from January 2002 to 2021, 10,000 turned into 61,000. I mean, in 20 years, that's six times 600%. That's unbelievable. It's a great rate of return. 10 grand into 60 grand, all day in a bag of chips. Now, what happened if they missed the 10 best days during that time? So let's say they pull their money out and pull it back in, but they missed the 10 best recovery days, just 10 days in a 20 year period of time that 10 grand would be worth 28,000. So think about that. This is someone who's trying to play the market. They're trying to trade. But what happens is when the market decides to rebound, it rebounds quickly. So if you missed just the 10 best days in the market during that 20-year period of time, your 10 grand is only worth 28 grand instead of 61 grand. But wait, what if you missed the 20 best days? That 10 grand's worth 16 grand instead of 61 grand. If you missed 30 days, it's worth 10 grand, the same 10 grand you put in, not $61,000. So you missed 30 days of the best days of the market. 40 days, it's 7,300. 50 days, it's 5,100. And 60 days, it's $3,698. He made a small fortune in the stock exchange. Why? Well, he started with a large one. 
You pull your money in, you pull your money out, you try to time the market, you try to be a trader. If you miss the days when the market's rebounding, you miss out on the opportunity. That is very, very common. Now, one of the reasons why that's such a big deal and why I'm talking about it right now is millennials are more likely to pull their money out of the market than any other group. And here's what the percentages are. They take out money every year out of their investments. Millennials, 49%. Baby boomers, 13%. Now, baby boomers are older, so obviously take that into account. But the net worth of the baby boomers is 10 times that of the uh, millennials. And there's more millennials. Gen Xers, that's my generation, believe it or not, is 21%. Gen Z, the young kids who don't have a lot going on just yet, is 17%. Millennials. If you're a millennial, listen to this. I know you're a much maligned group. And I know a lot of people, especially people my age and above, take shots at you left, right, and center. And the reason being is that you're really the first technology generation. The problem is that technology also creates for a short tension span. And people are pulling their money out of the market. The reason why most millennials are not becoming rich themselves is because the short attention span, they're willing to invest, they're not willing to wait. What they're hoping for is when the baby boomers die off, they leave their money to them. And maybe that will happen for a lot of people. But the fact of the matter is, if you want to make it on your own and you want to become rich, you got to invest, but you got to wait. So we invest in what we know, we invest all the time, and then lastly, we wait for that compounding cycle, the compounding cycle. Now, this is something I've taught on extensively over the years. So, for example, now this is really slow and wait, but let me give you an example. Let's say someone can save 100 bucks a month, and that's why my kids are on this plan and have been. My kids have been investing since they were single digits. But I would say if you could save 100 bucks a month and invest it, and got an 8% return, which the markets returned a little bit more than that, real estate's returned a little bit more than that, over a 40-year period of time. So it's 100 bucks a month. That's 12 months in a year. So you've invested 1,200 bucks a year, and you've done that over 40 years. That's $48,000 that you've invested over a 40-year period of time. The compounding effect means that money is now worth $351,000. So 100 bucks a month, at 8% interest over 40 years is $351,000. So $48,000 invested turns into $351,000. Similarly, you get a little older kids, $1,000 a month at 8% interest over 40 years. Well, that means you invested $480,000, and that's now worth $3.514 million. Okay. So you can get 350 grand or you can get 3.5 million. Now, maybe you're like, hey, I don't have 40 years to live. I don't know. But maybe you have 40 years to invest. Maybe you got 30. Maybe you got 20. So obviously, the younger you start investing and you're consistently investing, the compounding effect kicks in. By the way, the similar reason why it's important to budget. I'll be doing a future episode on the insidious nature of consumer debt. Because consumer debt compounds the opposite way, in that nobody's paying consumer debt at 8%. It's more like 18%. So imagine you had $100 a month going against you in consumer debt at 18%. The compounding effect leads to bankruptcy. That's what it does over a long period of time. So $100 turns into $48,000 investment. 
turns into 351 grand. Imagine that same 48 grand going against you at 18% interest. Well, it's well over a million dollars. And that's how people end up in trouble. We want the compounding effect to go to work for us. Albert Einstein, one of my favorite quotes, he said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it, and he who doesn't, pays it. So we want you to budget on the front end, control what's going out. We want you to ultimately get rid of that consumer debt. We want you to prioritize those expenses and ultimately create a surplus. From that surplus, we're going to invest. And we're going to invest and we're going to wait. What are we going to invest in? Our own personal value. Our own personal production. We're going to increase our service and our quality. We're going to invest in our business, our own business. And then we're going to invest and wait in whether it's real estate or stocks. Let the compounding cycle stay there and work for us. We're not going to keep pulling our money in and out. That's what's killing people. That's where millennials, if you're one of those people, that is not a formula for success. And it's why people get into more and more riskier investments. It's why so many of my kids, friends, coming out of college, every one of them was talking crypto, 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 crypto. And I'm like, what are you doing? You have something going for you that no one else has. You have time. If you'll invest now in solid investments over time, you will be worth a fortune. It's easy. You know what? It's easy to save 100 bucks a month. And when you really start getting after it, it'll be easy to save 1000 You cut your expenses. You increase what's coming in. You save 1000 bucks a month and invest it. And you invest that 1000 bucks a month and you get your 8% return, $3.5 million. You're cooking. You're cooking. It's easy to get rich. The problem is it's easier not to. We need to control what's going out. We need to increase what's coming in. We need to invest in weight. I've been doing this a long time. I've been teaching on stuff like this a long time. I want you to know you can do this. And it doesn't matter what age you're at. If you're a little older, you get closer to the $1,000 a month than the 100 Okay. A little older, a little wiser, great. Make sure your earnings are picking up. Make sure you're not throwing money away. The fact of the matter is we want to save on the expenses. We want to grow our income. And then we want to invest and wait just like baking a cake. And here's the thing. They say humble pie is the pastry that's never tasty. Well, let me say this. I'm interested in you building the pie of fortune and a fortune that allows you to do this. The greatest thing that money's done for me is it allows me to do exactly what it is I've been called to do. I started this podcast over six years ago. We have a staff, I don't know, eight or nine people who work on the podcast. We have a studio. We put all this time and effort and resource into it. It's a joy. It's a joy. Now, guess what? Because of that, and this was not the intention, many people have gotten exposed to our organization because of it. Many people have gone and gotten a a free business consultation and then decided to get into coaching, and it's grown our business, and it's fantastic. But the fact of the matter is this allowed me to do what I felt called to do. Building a fortune allowed me to support my kids to do what God called them to do. And each one of my individual six kids, even my twins, are using their gifts in different ways because they had a foundation to come from. Now, I told them all along, hey, your mom and I, we plan on giving our fortune away, but we want to help you create your own fortune. And right now, my kids, between the ages of 21 and 
31, are building their own fortune in their own right, in their own way, following the same formula. They're controlling what's going out. They're increasing their own personal value and what's coming in. And they're investing and they're waiting. It's easy to get rich. It truly is if you follow the steps. Hope this has been helpful for you. I hope this has been a blessing for you. We have a resource for you on the website. Mr. Lally will tell you where to get it. You make it sound so easy, Brian. Truth is, I've watched you teach on this for years. I followed your advice and it has made all the difference for me and, in fact, for my family. I don't have a natural flair for money. I mean, I'm a musician. Probably the last guy you'd think would be good with money, but this stuff works for me and it'll work for you too. So if you want to get your copy of ABC Your Home Expenses, head over to our website. It's a goodlife.com. It'll keep you on top of fixed and irregular expenses and discretionary spending. Speaking of spending, thanks for spending your time with us. We never take it for granted. And remember that It's a Good Life Plus is your gateway to ad-free Brian. Head to the Apple Podcast app, click on the banner, and try it for free. Thanks, Brian. And thanks, Therese, who's going to send us on our way. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.